When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back for another week of Teach Tapes, and we've been walking the field. And we started, backed up, and went over all the situations there last week. We talked about first down in the open field, and today the focus is going to be on second down. And joining me to discuss all of these things and put the spotlight on the fundamentals and techniques as well is the creator of Teach Tapes, Steve Hauser. Steve, great to have you back for another week of Teach Tapes. Yeah, Keith, always good to, to kind of focus in on one of these little spotlights. And I know you joked that, you know, second down is the forgotten down. You talked about the, the Ryan Walters presentation. And it really, I didn't know about it before you brought it up, but it makes a ton of sense of how segmented these situations are coming off that open, the whole world's in front of you, first down situation. And just how, you know, at the end of the day, styles make fights, right? What your offensive philosophy is, what you want to do with those situations, how you arm your call sheet to make sure you can work with what you guys value as a staff. So I watched some Big 12 this week, uh, the OU-Iowa State game, Baylor-Texas Tech, and just saw how they decided to take over those situations. Yeah, I really didn't think about it from that perspective. It was, it was you saying something and then you know, recalling the Ryan Walters presentation that you know, second down kind of gets – breezed over a little bit right you focus a lot on what you're going to call first down and certainly you're going to work on thirds and I know for a long time I didn't even have second down on a call sheet it was just base calls that we had there which we would use for first and second down but when you think about it you know you're going to do some things on first down obviously to set yourself up for success in that series but then depending on where you're at second down becomes critical even to the point of I had Michael Lombardi on the podcast and in his book Gridiron Genius he he talked about the philosophy of not waiting the third down to get to the get the first down that you need to go after it on second so I think there's a lot of different approaches but as we get more and more into this world of analytics and how many downs we have and what we're going to do on fourth down if we get there and different areas of the field I think second down now is becoming something that coaches think about more and plan for more before we even get into the striated down and distance of extra long down to short it was interesting to see people just how they're starting the game on second down versus coming out of halftime and, and obviously you're trying to control for as many things as possible right we're, we're not talking about backed up red zone two minute but just the intent of starting a game or starting a half right both Iowa State and Baylor came out ripping drop back like seven man chip protection or or a true shot. Iowa State threw a home run post on the backside of a Y cross concept and man it was beautiful. That ball hung up there and it was a contested catch, but that receiver did a great job of rolling off the ball, stepping on his toes, pushing the blind spot and I mean it looked nice now. But also they came back with a grid concept with the deep over underneath it later on. 
and now they, again, respected the hell out of that home run post. And now they've got a great soft spot there for a 25-yard gain. Starting the second half, they're down one score against OU. In that same second and long situation, all they're doing is running outside zone with a bubble backside and making sure those manageable down and distances are there to keep a tight game tight and, and not get off kilter with the sticks. So we can talk about each offense and each position of how it really sets up for them. But I thought that was interesting of just even the time of game, you know, starting a game or starting a second half. It's definitely, as you said, it's it, it goes to style. So I do think it's worth talking about each individually and, and seeing from looking at them, some of those things come through as far as the style. So let's kick things off here with Baylor. Yeah, so Baylor, obviously, you know, those guys are doing a great job with their wide zone scheme, complementing it with the mid zone. And really, you see a good number of game concepts as well. Um, but there's some things there, too. Of You know, I had a, a clip on there with Rod Marinelli talking about standards. He was with Coach Eberfluss in Dallas, and then he came with them in Chicago as now kind of a consultant talking to the team. And in the quarterback room with Justin Fields, they were talking about, man, it's your job to finish those play fakes and carry out that fake to get information backside. Are we reading it? Are we nakeding it? All these different things of how we can tell the path of the running back what's happening back there. So I think that that fits with Baylor of having some information for them. I felt like Oklahoma, you talked about not having it totally structured of down and distance on there, but man, they're going to run what they run. It's going to be a spread run scheme with the spit outs, having some compliments with their run blocking scheme. But Iowa State had a lot of different tools in their bag of extra long screens, dropbacks, chip protections, and then being manageable on the down and distance as it got shorter. But again, making sure they had some tools for whatever their system was. The tools are an important part of it, right? And you're looking at second down, you think about what you do on first, right? You're calling some base things and you're on schedule you have a chance now to get into your complimentary plays on second down, but you know you might look at that differently if if you're in second and long. If first down didn't work, the the approach is going to be a little bit different here. And if you take the Michael Lombardi approach, it's it's let's let's now go for it all on second down. I was always get on schedule, stay on schedule, move move the chains. And obviously within there, you're going to get the opportunities pr- to present shots and things like that. But again, I think it's it's what you said, your signature, right? It's, it's really who you are is going to appear on these downs. Really the biggest thing, Keith, if you look at what those second downs were in the Big 12 this weekend, there's 187 second downs. Only 13 of those were second and short, which I classified as one to three. 13 second and shorts, and, and everyone will either get that clean first down, start fresh, or take your bonus down and, and run a big shot. And again, we talk about signatures and styles. Big 12 just it wasn't there, right? Maybe if we pulled up the SEC this week, there would have been 50 of those because they're setting up their call sheets differently for that, that conference. You talk about having compliments. Baylor is even running a reverse to control that backside end later in the game because now they feel like that guy's not really focused in. But like anything else, it's dressing up your base concept. So what you're seeing is a lot of like pre-snap shifts, like going from quads one way to quads the other way. And all three of these teams are bringing in some version of motion and shift. But again, having general awareness, you know, Iowa State's got a receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, all world player, but hadn't all the recognition there. And they do a great job of creating touches for him. Well, on second and long, Iowa State was about to be in a second and extra long because they shift. 
in the redshirt receiver on the other side of the field didn't step on the line of scrimmage. He's waving at that guy. He's not looking at the coach for the sideline. He, he saw it. And so now they're controlling the situation of making sure they're getting in the best situation for the play. Baylor did a great job of going on two, trying to uncover the look, get back a cheap one to get on schedule on those second and extra long. So there is some pre-snap things as well that they're doing just to make it easy on them, but a little bit harder on the defense. Yeah, there's so many tools that you can use there, right? It's, it is first down. You see teams, they, they get what they want on first down. They'll use tempo. You don't get what you want, right? You, you can look to get them to jump off sides and get a free play or get those five yards to get, get you back to where you need to be. And just even thinking about styles of play there, there's certainly teams that subscribe to a philosophy or a theory of sequenced plays, lookalike plays, right? That you're going to, you know, go from running this play on first and then another compliment and then another one that comes off of it. So again, it's the approach though you'll start to see come through, as you mentioned before. You know, the, the big thing with, at the end of the day, like we're, we're not trying to create thought experiments for, and I try to talk directly to the listener here of like, man, you only got so much time in the day. What I've saw is that OU understands that and if they're trying to get as much carryover as they can with the concept and make it a little bit different presentation for the defense and they're doing a great job with some of these movement pieces of running back alignments like a yo tight end and just like we talked about bama against tennessee of flow flow motion in that guy all the way across and he's smack blocking that receiver on on the now screen he's creating different looks so i mean they motion to quads to get to a spit out they threw a, uh, a flare screen out of the backfield in a three-shell defense with the three-safety Iowa State look. They actually, like, sifted the number two receiver and got him up, like, first level first. You're talking about, like, true combination blocks out on the edges here now. So it's really, it's really interesting of how people are getting run plays on the edges, but coaching those receiver tight end blocks a little bit more, you know, like an offensive lineman. Taking this into the position-specific level is the next step of it. It's something that we look at every week. And again, you have found those and, and put together your teach tapes uh, based on some of the things you see at each position and things that you can work on on those schemes, those plays that come up a lot on second down. Obviously, the NFL world, from what they're drilling, is dependent on the scheme, and it's slightly different than we're talking about from these college examples. But at the end of the day, all these different runs where we're, we're reading it or we're booting it, we're trying to control that backside edge of the short side, right? So there's two different things. The Atlanta Falcons, back when they had Matt Ryan, and you know they're going through this old-school boot drill of if the end crashes down and you're out flanking it, man, you're running all the way over, hitting the comeback, okay? Now the end stays wide. And, and Shane Day, the, the Chargers quarterback coach, has a great drill that Herbert and Chase Daniels are going through of like sprinting and attacking that edge, making that defensive end feather his feet. And now you can reset for a tick and bang that get in vision route. Okay, he's covered up. You saw an incredible rep. Who was it? I think it was uh, Will Levis, right on the goal line of that boot action as they were playing Tennessee this week. He put his foot back down and charged back downhill and didn't just throw that thing out the back. And they're like, man, you want to talk an attitude and effort play of a quarterback understanding like, man, it's goal line. It's a must-have game. Man, I'm not just going to dump it. It's a critical situation. All right, I'm going to try to work between that flow of the receivers and the action of the offensive line 
and try to get the necessary short down. But also, like, we talked, saw a lot of quick game coming from Baylor, Iowa State in this world of just, you know, the Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, man, they're catching it. No laces, banging the target. But really, there's some good stuff here from the Titans. Back when Arthur Smith was there, I think this is a little bit of an older clip, but it was Logan Woodside, former Mac quarterback, backup quarterback there before Malik Willis got there. And they're going through the rapid-fire progressions of a dropback. You know, it was just a frontside flood. And he's going from high to low, or high intermediate to low, and he's banging those reps there just so we can get a feel for what that look is. I'm going to switch over to the receiver side, Keith, and and not to filibuster or anything, but the quarterbacks in that quick game world, man, that receiver better win. And if we're talking about fundamentals and technique, whether it's getting his shoulder through tight and beating that guy and stacking and staying on that red line for the go or the fade ball, at Oklahoma State, we always made a huge deal of when the eyes are going to pop, right? If it's quick game, we called it a fade. Man, the ball's expected at the 25 on the bottom, of, on the uh, on the red line, right? Your eyes pop halfway at that distance, right? On a go ball, man, you're trying to hold that line longer. You're holding the bottom of the numbers. The 40-yard go ball, your eyes pop at 20. Right? So even on the glance and the inside slants, man, whether it's, um, you know, the NFL, they'll call it dragon, right? Your three-step slant and your shoot route. Maybe it's on the RPO backside, um, the unblockable player, your seam lifting, and then working flat. Man, that receiver's got to win because, again, that quarterback's only got so many options. So that single to the boundary, a lot of times you're seeing that is really a highlighted piece of this on a manageable second down. We talked about the quarterback and receiver world there, but looking at the interior skill players, your tight ends, your running backs, how do you see them fitting into the puzzle? Obviously, the, the most dynamic piece, and I think it just before we started um, filming here, the, the Vikings traded for TJ Hawkinson, right, from the Detroit Lions, who was a first-round tight end. Those guys are, you know, one in a million who can do all those different things at tight end. And even in the NFL, those, were, those tight ends are such a mashup of bodies of what they're going to accomplish with the scheme. It's even more highlighted at the college level. Just think of who your tight ends are, right? Oversized quarterbacks, oversized running backs, heavy-handed hard hat wearing walk-ons that are earning their keep. They're filling a job for the scheme. You see some of these three-down looks, and it's hard to get to these combinations sometimes, right? The three-safety look, a zero nose. Man, how are we going to get angles back in the run game? Well, there's some great examples of those running backs being used, whether it's a frontside insert or booing around the backside, t- the backside tackle to get to the second level. From a drill example, there's a great rep on Teach TE, the teach tight end hashtag of Travis Kelsey working on that backside insert to get to that, that stacked backer in a three-down look. He's got to step over an agility bag, get through the trash, and still have a heavy aiming point front side. So I think that's interesting. And in the passing game with the tight end, Iowa State was running some different curl flat concepts and literally that old school OTB, that Hank route by the tight end, had got the number 43, my guy Russ Bus, who we had as the wedge player and special teams blowing up the shield on, on punt block. Now he's an older player, and he's controlling that look so we can get the receiver and the running back involved in those quick game concepts. What I was really intrigued by, Keith, is how dynamic people are using the running back, whether it's a structural alignment, whether it's a chip and pass protection, whether it's getting out and running some different routes, right? Whether it's a shoot route out of the back, it's a, it's a rail route from the quick game, option routes in the drop back world. That guy, the athlete is so much more dynamic, obviously. But I was thinking about it as coaching a running back position. 
what was everybody looking at? Foot quickness, agility, obviously ball security is paramount. Yards after contact. You think of what the tight end's doing. He's fitting structural pieces to make the other 10 players the better version of themselves. A running back, man, that's a piece that you can match up on a, a linebacker out one-on-one. So he's got to be able to run routes. I mean, I, I heard from a coach that, I'm not going to name names, but judge a running back coach by the stance and start and route running of a running back on, in the pass game. Like how much did they really drill those different components that show up in a game plan? Well, I think it's valuable to take a look at the different second down situations there. And let's start with the longest one. So we'll start with second and extra long 11 plus. And I also feel like, you know, we always, we do you and I both being offensive minded, get into that side of the ball a little bit. So I want to start with how Ryan Walters defined these and some of what he was thinking in this too. So uh, he would, call it get back on track extra long or in his presentation it was just gbotx and his thought was uncovering how does the offense approach this are they going to use a safe play uh, a screen uh, draw uh, even the run scheme or are they going to approach it like two third downs right in thinking about now that would be the approach for this And certainly when you get into these situations, again, going back to your signature, a lot of times it takes you out of that base offense mentality where you feel like you have more of an open playbook. So uh, definitely some identifiers there for an offensive coordinator and thinking about what tendencies do you have when you hit these second and extra long situations. It's funny you bring that up, Keith, because I'd never seen the presentation, but I'm looking at my notes from the Iowa State and Baylor. I mean, Iowa State's using some some slip screens with the running back, right? Because you've seen a lot more drop eight in the Big 12, obviously, with all these different playmakers. And then there's the drop back shot from Baylor, right? They're running a true Y-cross concept with the backside in, trying to take that cover four safety from Baylor out of there and throw it down. And there's ways to not only take a shot, but get back on track, whether it's a screen, some quick game. I never thought of it like two-third and mediums, but that's exactly what it really is. Yeah, I know you were part of it having been at Oklahoma State. Uh, two two plays that come to mind that they utilized in these kinds of situations, and I think they, they really popularized both of these. One being stick draw, I think is, is a great one to have here, right? You have uh, the draw scheme, something there that's that conservative run, yet you also have more of that third medium approach where you're able to throw that stick route. And then the other one, that was really a big part of of their offense for a while was the shallow screen. So you think about screens, there's the indicators of those teams that are really good at retracing and and getting to your guy and and breaking that play up so you end up in third and long. But what I liked about the shallow screen is is there's no indicators for screen Mm -hmm. and there's no read progression for the quarterback. I mean, you're getting blockers downfield, releasing in what looks like they're going to be in down the field routes right on their stem and then becoming blockers pretty quickly. And now you got the ball to someone low in space with blockers ahead of him. So I think two really good approaches for this extra long situation. And I'm smiling on the other side of the, the headset or the AirPods here, Keith, because it, it really brings back two things. One is the running backs involved in both of these, right? Even though they're not the, the highlighted piece, if that running back gets into the throwing motion of the quarterback, then we all look like fools, first of all, right? But also, if they're running that pick with the Z on the shallow, right, because what we really do is, man, 
second and extra long, you're getting a Tampa drop or you're getting drop eight, free safety look, whatever the, the Vogue thing is to cover that space. Well, the running back's the one setting that pick or the rub. I mean, however you want to phrase it from an offensive and defensive mind, if you think it's illegal or illegal. But the running back's the one running that to clear up the shallow runner. And even earlier, when we're talking backed up, that's exactly what we talked about with Jordan Addison from Lincoln Riley coming out of the Big 12 heyday. Man, he chipped the backside edge and then let it all clear out. And now it's the perfect time and you get the ball in space to the field with their best player. So I think you're right. It's another callback was the players formations plays. And that's why I do feel like Iowa state was very much in the, there's a tool for every situation, right? whether it's Tom Manning coming from the pro world, Campbell making sure that, Hey, it's got to fit our guys. So again, it all adds up to what we're saying. And, and I do think that the draw in the, the screen game is an important world in this plus situation. Yeah, I I agree with you on that stick draw and handing it off. And it's something we tried initially. Now we were fortunate enough to have a, a, a quarterback who we felt good about running the ball in these situations. And so instead of spending, you know, our time on task on the timing of that of that handoff, we just said, you know what, we're gonna send the running back up through here. And it really just becomes if that guy's, you know, we're really looking at uh, checking, make sure he's not falling back in if we don't throw the stick and then head up to level three. So it added an extra hat for us and took the mechanics of that handoff uh, out of it because it's it's tricky, right? It's definitely something that's tricky to be able to turn and hand that ball back to the running back on a stick draw. I don't blame you. I mean, I think at the end of the day when I left, you know, I was doing the special teams, but I think Yersich ended up a lot of times just – scatting that that running back out of the mix entirely right just send them make sure we can get the clearance from the mic one way or the other and let's just go play ball right so again taking a little bit of the coaching out of it sometimes we did it from 20 personnel so we did the same thing of having that lead back again it's just different ways from whatever structure you're going to get the best look presenting it to the defense so i don't blame it so taking a look at making this a little bit more manageable and again in Coach Walter's presentation, uh, he had two here. He had the second and 10, and then the seven to nine. And and these yardage, again, it's get back on track. And an important thing as you're looking at that second and 10, that second and nine in this area, and I think if you're an offensive coordinator, really look at what is your tendency here. How did you get there is his question. How did they get to the second and 10? Was it an inefficient run? Or was it an incomplete pass? And I think in just off the top of my head, in games I watched this weekend, there's guys who definitely have patterns for what they're going to do here, right? They're, if, if they are in that situation where it was an incomplete pass, they may be going to their best run to get themselves into a third and six or a third and five. And if they had that inefficient run, you can bet they're staying away from a run on that next down. I think those are two patterns that probably are pretty common. And I would say, take a look at what you do as an offensive coordinator. You may have a pattern there as well that maybe you're not aware of. I totally agree, Keith, because everybody's human, right? Why, why are you going to repeat the same mistake when it was just an efficient 30 seconds ago? Now, it also kind of works with what I said earlier of earlier in a game, someone might be willing to go be more aggressive on this second and inefficient area Whereas later in the game, man, I'm up a score, I'm down a score, 
I got to make sure that as this thing starts to chip away, I know more of the looks that I'm going to get. I just want to keep playing and make sure I can give the players a chance. So the last thing you want to do is be in a no-win situation of now we're in third and nine and the whole stadium knows what's going on. Right. And I'm going to see the, the most difficult look. Now, what I am looking at as I go through some of my notes from these different games, OU didn't throw a drop back pass on this second down in area until midway through the fourth quarter. Like they still kept playing their world of we're going to spread it out, use some of our leverage and angles to identify a run, or we're going to give those different creative looks on the spit out and say that our athletes in space are better than yours. What I saw from Baylor and Iowa State is some different quick game, whether it's a nod, giving yourself a little bit of a, a potential shot to isolate that area or like a whip route retreating back from those inside receivers. Hey, can you outflank somebody and get five or six yards on the backside with the running back or just win one-on-one? Again, it's those players making plays in space that we talked about of working the fundamentals and techniques. In that situation, you just got to win. If it's press, man, I got to get my shoulder through and stack and play fast. But the other side of it is getting a little bit of the RPO game, right? Giving yourself two chances to have a good, efficient run or playing the space there and, and banging that spot, replacing that player. So, again, different ideas, but there's a reason why, like you said earlier. So I agree with that. So looking at the, the next situation in the second down area would be, again, for Coach Walters and his presentation, it was second and two to six. And he identified really the philosophy of most offensive coordinators in being, let's be efficient and get half of this so that we end up in a a third and very manageable. Now, I could say, and just looking back at myself, my, my approach probably varied based on who the opponent was. And, you know, I'll go to my Baldwin-Wallace days. Uh, It was probably going to be more on being efficient and keeping that very manageable on on third down. Third and long is not a situation you want to be in against a Mount Union defense. Uh, third and manageable is. So I think my approach there probably was more conservative in what plays do we have to get us half of this distance. Where in other games, uh, I think it felt a little bit more wide open in that you know we could take a shot on this down. Uh, we could drop back in our four verts and, and try to take take a chunk if we, we've been seeing them you know, running a lot of run pressures or something to that effect or playing one high defense. So, again, tendencies, right? What does is, what is that coach do? And I think you brought up something important in that last one, score differential and time, right? That part of the context of the game. It's not just always second down in X, it's second down in a certain quarter with a certain score in the game up or down that affects how a coordinator is going to view these things. It kind of leads me into, you know, this second and medium area. The first, again, I'm just kind of quickly looking this over while you're talking, Keith, of both of the things that I brought up, one for OU and one for Iowa State, this second and manageable, the second and medium area, it's a great place to use tempo and just line up and play football. Right. right, You got a little rhythm, you just ran an efficient play, and you present a look like, oh, you ran quads to the boundary and just spit it out. Right. Well, now you've got, hey, are they properly aligned? Is it something they have to force communication with? And it's super easy for your offense because you've repped it. So now you're building momentum, you got them on their heels, you just had a positive play. The other thing with Iowa State, 
you know, they just ran two by two and ran double slant, right? So again, the, the inside receivers are running through the shoulder of the overhang. They're controlling those players. And also if it's off coverage, these receivers aren't going to run a slant on the outside. They're going to run three big, two little, shut it down for a slant. And if you're playing pitch and catch, like it's past it's routes on air. So there's a, there's a time and a place for both, but either way, everyone's got a little positive momentum, feeling good. Let's just keep playing football. You're still basically in, in first and 10 on second and medium. Yeah. Right. You're still, you have the world is your oyster again, just like you had on the previous down. Yeah, definitely. When I look at this area and just thinking again, back to things we're going to do, I mean, it's situations you feel comfortable. It's a great RPO down where uh, now you can you can get a, a nice chunk there if you do get the pass right, get a guy on the run, and if not, you have a good run to favorable numbers there that are going to get you into that situation. So again, so many different things that people do on offense, uh, just a different approach to it. And and I do think, as I said, you know, at the beginning, I think looking at these things within, you know, as we are able to get more and more data on our games and the analytics of when we might go for it on fourth down. I think those play into it as well, which leads into a down, which, you know, interestingly enough, Coach Walters called a waste down the second in shorts, uh, second in one. And, you know, certainly the first thought of any defensive coordinator, I'm sure, is this is a shot down, right? So uh, I think from the offensive side, if it always is a shot down, that's pretty predictable. So I do think you want to mix things up. But certainly, you know, things can be wide open for you here on a second in short. In one way or the other, man, how are we trying to create a first down, right? So whether you're getting a big explosive and having that waist down or people are just trying to burn it up there and, and start fresh, one thing that I think can separate that, is, and again, just talking detail and technique, is wide receiver blocking, right? If it is that situation where you're trying to complement your shot by, if you're selling play action, you better be running the dang ball in some of these situations too, right? So there was a great rep of Iowa State push-cracking that quarter safety and OU is running a little bit of a TE game and it gets clogged up on the front side and that running back actually, you know, trickles it out front side. And now you push crack and he makes that corner miss. There's a ton of green grass out there. So again, just doing the little details and the dirty work, like there's a great rep of Eno Benjamin, again, in the Cliff Kingsbury office. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure it's in the show notes there, but having a great view of exactly that, of the ball trickling front side, and then you got to run him back on a corner and in space. So it doesn't have to be the schemed up board. It can also be an efficient play. Iowa State was using some, some tempo out of huddle, right, on third down to, again, just kind of have a little bit of a speed break. We talked about it on the previous episode of not all tempo is fast. It's changing up that structure and those punches. So just, again, some different ways to, to keep it simple and have some positive effects. Well, Steve, another great look at a certain situation, area of the field. And, and again, I think it's important to realize that all of these have the context of time in the game and score differential as well. And I'm sure we'll get into some of those things later after we walk the field here. But all of these situations, drills, etc., we talked about uh, will be curated in the Twitter moment and we'll share those in the show notes as well. Steve, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to put this all together, put your notes together, and uh, all the work that you do on Teach Tapes, I think, which is phenomenal. Thanks, Keith, and 
you know, it's it's worth doing because it's worth sharing, right? It, it's fun to scratch that itch. And, you know, if it gives somebody an idea and it helps somebody, then it, it makes all the difference.